0: the short stacks i'm lisa quintero young adult librarian and i am nick barron patron and sometimes volunteer this is a show where we talk to you about what we've been reading listening to or watching but first
1: library news
0: so we have quite a few events coming up in the next couple of weeks on tuesday april 13th we have family fun night to go on wednesday we have art cart to go and those continue through the end of the month on thursday april 15th we have story time online and Let's see, Thursday, April 15th, we also have the AM Book Club with Haley. And Nick will tell us what the title is.
1: The Chelsea Girls by Fiona Davis.
0: And then on Saturday, April 17th, we have a program called Music Movement and More. On April 20th, which is a Tuesday, we have another rhyme time Tuesday. And on the 21st, once again there's Art Cart. On the 23rd, which is a Friday, there's a grown-up take and make kit. And that I believe they're making um Bird feeders, like little like suet kind of bird feeders.
1: Yeah, it says pick up a kit to make your own bird feeding seed
0: cakes. There you go. And then on the twenty seventh, there's a the Shorewood architecture reflects village history. The building of Shorewood. Um, so all these are virtual, and they are available on Zoom. So you you can go ahead and go to our calendar, and on the calendar you'll find the links for all of the different events. The music movement and more requires registration. So if you are interested in that one, be sure you register through the calendar. All of the rest of them are just pop-in events or take and make kits.
1: Architecture stuff is always interesting. I'm just putting that out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I've, uh, we actually have a display of architecture books right now about Shorewood and Milwaukee right next to the reference desk. And I was looking through some of them and they're really neat. Um, so I'm curious about that one, my pop-in for it myself. and Maybe you can join me if you like. So that's what we've got coming up. Um, we are slowly, you know, easing back into having things transition back to pre-COVID times. Um, we have all of our catalog computers are open now and we are, you know, slowly, slowly easing back into things. So hopefully in the next few weeks, you'll see some, some positive changes. All right, so let's go on to From the Stacks. So, Nick and I said we were going to do a genre dive. Um, and I assigned Nick the task of reading a mystery novel. And he assigned me the task of listening to Trip Up. Um, so, I will let him go first. And he can talk to us a little bit about what he picked and my, my parameters around this, because there's, you know, when you give somebody something like read a mystery novel, there are literally thousands of mystery novels. And he was like, All right, give me some parameters. And so my parameters were that it had to be written by a person of color or a woman. And, um, that those are pretty much my only parameters that I gave him. So he still had a lot to pick from. And um,
1: I narrowed it down myself by going with both. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I, did a, uh, did a, a Google search to, uh, I typed in, I think it was uh, black female mystery author. Just to see what would come up, and the first name that came up was Barbara Ann Neely, mm-hmm. and I looked over, uh, you know, what her her history of writing was like, and I was like, oh, this person sounds interesting. Uh, so I am going to uh, I'm going to start at the beginning because she's she's written or she had written four different books about a character by the name of Blanche White. Okay, and uh, so I uh, I decided to go with the first one, Blanche on the Lamb. Having really, other than the fact that Barbara Neely had kind of like a, she was a, a fan of Toni Morrison and that she had an interest in activism that uh, that would shine through in her writing or that's, that's what they said. And so I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little deeper.
0: Cool. Also, and you, so, you listened to this uh, on Hoopla. Hoopla. Okay, and then just so listeners know as well, we have Blanche on the Lamb here at Shorewood in paperback, but it appears to be the only Barbara Neely book that we have in Shorewood. All the other ones are available in book format through other libraries, so you can come in and request them as well. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, keep, yeah, no. keep, keep,
1: keep going. Uh, all important information. Yes. Um. So yeah. So so I started this book because I move slow, notoriously slow. <laughs> um. I ended up having to. Uh, Check it out on Hoopla three separate times. Um, okay. Yeah. It's so like three months. Yeah. It took me three months to listen to eight hours of speaking. But actually, you know, that, that makes it sound like it's a struggle, but I just I listen to so, so many other things that I get distracted. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. But, and like the thing that the reason that I assigned it to you is I know that you're not somebody who reads a lot of mysteries necessarily. And, you know, I kind of wanted your take on it as somebody who is not into that and so like you know I know that had it been one of your genres you probably would have gotten through it a little bit faster but you know sometimes it takes a little bit longer when we're listening to things that aren't necessarily what what motivates us to read but
1: no this this is true but yeah it was a very very interesting uh interesting book because I look at storytelling through a role-playing game lens There are certain things that I understand about mysteries that are taken from role-playing games, Mm -hmm. like getting people into the mystery right away. And so at first, the thing about Blanche on the Lamb, I really liked how this book set up Blanche as a character. Mm -hmm. Um, But I expected the mystery element to jump in a lot quicker. It Mm It was at least two to two and a half hours before the the mystery got set up But to to give a a brief overview Blanche is on the lam because uh, she actually goes to the the book starts off with her going to court because of an unpaid bill. And because of this unpaid bill, they are going to uh, sentence her to like a month in jail. And she doesn't want to, doesn't want to go to jail because she's got kids and though she's got, her mom can take care of the kids. She doesn't want to be separated from her kids. And it's all so stupid because it's over a bill.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's a bill that she, that, that if, if there was just one more day, the bill would have gotten paid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so it's this, this very, very like kind of like frustrating setup.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not in a big city. And there is a bunch of commotion in the courthouse. And she makes a split second decision to flee. And um, so she, she was in the ladies' room. She comes out of the ladies' room. There's all sorts of commotion going on in the courthouse. Show. So she decides to slip out the back door. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "What? What am I going to do?" And she's a cleaning lady by trade, and she usually works independent. But she ends up, um, she does have a connection with a cleaning service, and the cleaning service had offered her a job for that day, and she had turned it down. But while she was Fleeing, and she, you know, it, it gives you the the tension. She's, you know, running through the streets, and there's, you know, because there was commotion at the courthouse. There's there's cop cars zipping by, and so she's like in a panic, and she's running through the streets, and she ultimately ends up in a neighborhood that uh, she would not normally be in, mm-hmm. um, a, a a wealthy white neighborhood, and she realizes that she's right near the address of the work that she had been offered by the cleaning service. So she ends up deciding to show up like she had taken, had taken the job and just, you know, walk in. And uh, (laughs) if, if for some reason, um, the person that they replaced her with was there, she'd be like, oh, you know, my mistake. And then she was going to leave. You know, they, they mapped that out. But uh, the person hadn't shown up the uh, cleaning service had left uh, this rich family hanging. And so they, you know, bring her in and, you know, get her straight to work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it is through, um, they hired this person to to work for an entire week. And uh, so so Blanche, she doesn't like know the details of the job or, you know, what's expected or anything. And she's just kind of like, you know, faking it until she makes it all all, all the way through. Mm-hmm. And she finds out that uh, she's going to be there for a day. Um, she starts. They start introducing the characters of the house, um, and then after a day or two, um, the action moves to another like summer home. Okay. And so um, it's taking her further away from the city and into the country, and it, it makes it much harder for her to step away from the situation. Mm-hmm. And so as it turns out, uh, she starts to one of the things that that Barbara Neely does a really good job of is setting up the sense of one, what the black experience and the black pers- perspective is like in these circumstances. And usually when you're looking at like a whodunit type uh um mystery, usually the help is one of the they They all have a reason to kill the to kill the rich person, Um, and then there's usually a bunch of family that are also like, uh, you know, they want the money or they want this. Yeah, like
0: like the movie knives out. Knives
1: out. Yes. So, or or (laughs) I was thinking of like Clue or yes, uh, um, (laughs) which is
0: basically the movie Knives Out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, so usually that's kind of the perspective, Um, but one of the things that Barbara Neely really kind of focuses on is the invisibility of people of color, poor people um, and people with disabilities. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so so yeah, so she she focuses really heavily on on that aspect and how Blanche is when you constantly are stepping outside of your comfort zone to work in the comfort zone of others. There's like certain survival mechanisms, like Mm -hmm. ways that you behave and ways that you act um, in order to survive in white society, especially upper class white society versus, uh, um, you know, uh, your family at home. And so, but also how you are treated as invisible and kind of disposable and all of those aspects. And it is because of that invisibility and her just natural observation skills, she starts mm-hmm. to pick up that there is something untoward happening uh, in this house and between the members of this family. There's just something that's that's not right. The uh, the man of the house, he's just constantly, you know, kind of like agitated and, and frustrated. There's a uh, a disabled. Um, not disabled. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, he's got, he's got like a a high functioning down syndrome. Um, so he's technically a person with disabilities, but he's Mm -hmm. named Mumford and Mumford is one of the sons of this rich family, but he is relegated to being like the driver for the family because, because he's high functioning. The thing that they trust him to do is work on the cars and drive the cars. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Uh, they, they really do a good job of, of setting up how Blanche is able to, to um, pick up on all of these, these cues that something, something is going on. And yeah, it, it unfolds slowly. As I said, the, mm-hmm. the mystery, the mystery starts two 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 and a half hours in and you really start to get, get a sense of what's going on another two and a half hours. And so five hours in, and then the last, the last two hours, is really kind of like the climactic cr- confrontation and and everything else that that goes along with it. Mm. Um, so would you
0: say it's more of like a character driven mystery then since the, the action isn't really present right away?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's especially, especially focusing on Blanche and Mumford. Okay. Um, and the, the, the thing, the reason why it focuses so much on Mumford is um, Blanche's character really starts to like, at first, she doesn't understand Mumford, and like she doesn't even you know realize that he has has a uh, a handicap, mm-hmm. and it like builds her understanding of Mumford, and then uh, ultimately her appreciation and friendship. Okay, um, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. But yeah. You know, it's tough to talk about mysteries <laughs> without wanting to give everything away. <laughs> um, because uh, because yeah the the book, it does a great job of covering a lot of racial dynamics. It covers a lot of class dynamics. it uh, talks a lot about sexism and, you know how how women, particularly women of color, are treated in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that that I i would be remiss not to mention is the fact that this book was written in 1992 mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for the fact that there are telephones with cords <laughs> and um you know certain other technological things like all of the the subject matter that this book covers uh-huh. talking about you know um unarmed victims of police shootings and because she dives into a lot of things that that people of color deal with
0: mm-hmm. and have and been dealing with for decades centuries yeah it,
1: exactly it's like if they were holding cell phones instead of corded telephones you would think that the book was written last year okay um so especially with a lot of the stuff that they cover um yeah
0: um, go ahead sorry
1: i was just going to say you know from from race issues to me too mm-hmm. uh it's it's all kind of covered in there so yeah it it's the type of book that you could pick up today and it's going to feel just as relevant as it did in, you know, 1992 when it was released.
0: Yeah. And it looks like it's a whole series and they they all follow Blanche. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing, you know, you haven't read the rest of them, but I'm guessing you probably learn more about her as we go along. Cause that's kind of how those whole series revolving around a certain character go. I remember in middle school, I was really into Agatha Christie and followed a lot of the Miss Marple books. And so you kind of learned a little bit more about Miss Marple and her life as you went along, um, though those are a little bit less character driven, so you didn't find out quite as much about her. It sounds like this, you know, you you find out a lot more about the characters and their personal lives, whereas a lot of Agatha Christie's like you delved right into the mystery um, oh, after like the first chapter. So, yeah, yeah and it sounds like it's probably uh, in terms of subgenres, I would call it a cozy mystery. Would you say that like most of the violence and, and all that occur off stage?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, um other, other than, you know, the the big climactic uh scene, uh the uh all the violence takes place not only off off screen, but it's like somebody comes in and uh, you know, did you hear about what happened last night type of thing. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so so it's it's really uh
0: Is there any uh, like sexual content or is it pretty tame?
1: Um no. I mean, there's there's references to sexual assault and things like that, but everything mm-hmm. is talked about from a perspective of this is what people are like, or these are the types of things that people do. Okay, um, but but yeah, there's, so, there's, so it's more, more,
0: more off screen. It's not actually happening yeah. on screen. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that's like a feature of cozy mysteries. Another feature of cozy mysteries is that it takes place in like a small town um, usually. And it sounds like, you know, she starts out in a town and then goes out to the country so that that would fit. Uh, she is a amateur detective. She's not a detective by trade, um, and, and
1: at least the way they they leave things at the end, she's not intending to become the next uh, Jacques Cluso or uh...
0: <laughs> or Miss Marple or
1: yeah. any of those
0: people. She does. She's not intending to become the person who solves the mysteries all the time. But you know, I'm guessing because the series features her, she's always the one who solves the mysteries <laughs> to some degree. Um, does she have any contacts like on the police force or anything that helped her out with the mystery or no?
1: No, actually. So she's fleeing the police. So yeah. go to the police at all. In fact, um, that is like a constant like, you know, what do I the question gets asked? You know, what do I do as a woman of color who is uh, that I feel like I am not going to be believed over the word of rich white folks? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I navigate this mystery, particularly when I also am on the lamb? Mm-hmm. And so there's like a, a really kind of uh, they set up her mom as being this very kind of like judgy, um, you know, respectability politics um, woman that is, you know, judging, judging her uh, Blanche for all of her actions. Mm-hmm. and. But, you know, she keeps calling her mom because she she has to have a lifeline somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's like this moment where Barbara Neely kind of explains that dynamic, but also how there are two sides to how people often have to live in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And the moment where her mom just kind of switches gears in order to protect her her daughter. And... That's when the mom reaches out to people to like make sure that there's a place for for Blanche to go if she needs to to to, okay. to, to flee again. Uh-huh. Um, there is um, a person that's asking around town to find out as much as they can about the family. So she's kind of got this like phone a friend um, like the uh, who wants to be a millionaire. Where
0: yeah. So does she like does she like uh, confide in her mom what what's going yes. on with the mystery? Okay.
1: Yeah. And so so she tells her mom the details but leaves out certain key points because she doesn't want her mom to worry at first. Okay. Um but then the mom goes and talks to um you know the 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 neighborhood know-it-all um you know busybody. <laughs> the busybody. Yeah. That then comes and gathers all the information on the family and starts feeding information to the mom and the mom calls to pass that information on to so there's like this constant like give and take where Okay. Blanche... So the mom
0: basically serves the role of what would have normally been like the police officer or like exactly. The, yeah or the friend in the authorities. Um and then my final question uh as to, you know, cuz that, cuz that's one of the typical things about cozy mystery. Um my final question in terms of cozy mystery is uh without giving anything away, so in cozies the the killers usually are not a psychopath or a serial killer and they're usually hmm. somebody who is taken in without violence and are usually somebody who the family knows and has like a grievance against the family that is often like something that's been generations in the making is that true for this this book um
1: without violence um serial killer psychopath so so not a, so not, not a not a serial killer okay no because actually it turns out that Three people were killed so i guess from from what you think of as a serial killer uh, versus somebody that kills multiple people to cover up their crimes uh-huh. um so yes it, it's sort of um ambiguously uh this is just a uh a person that thinks that they can get away with whatever they want because they've okay. got money okay. um all and right so, Let's,
0: we shouldn't give anything else away <laughs>
1: Uh, yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All um, right. So if you like cozy mysteries, um you should check out Blanche on the Lamb by Barbara Neely
1: and um, uh, would would it qualify for somebody that's doing the Read Woke challenge?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. as it's you know, it would either qualify for the women's badge or the or it, it qualifies for both, actually, and the you know, uh, black author badge. So you could mark it down for both or you can do different books for each. but yeah. I've got to log some in my ReadWoke challenge on Beanstack. So. Very good. So do you think you'll ever pick up another cozy mystery, or do you think that this was pretty much it?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, I One of the things that, even though I've never read – I shouldn't say never – <laughs> I was just gonna say, I'm sure that I read like a choose your own adventure uh when I was a kid <laughs> that was a mystery. So so I can't say that I've never read a mystery, but I actually I kind of like like the the idea of mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that reading mysteries is a, a it could you know sharpen up some of my Cause I, I pull everything back to role-playing games. And uh, so I think that, uh, you know, pulling some of those elements into my games, I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, reading, reading another one that maybe falls more in my, uh, you know, that might involve swords or lasers might be, uh, <laughs> might be more my thing. But I, I also like when, when we watch movies, I really like noir a lot. And so but noir mysteries are their own whole separate subgenre. So
0: Yeah, well there's a lot of different subgenres, you know. There's there's like the ones where um they follow like recipes or the cats or um those I can't remember what that subgenre is called. Domestic. Um yes, the domestic mysteries. There's the thrillers that, you know, are more like high action packed CIA agents coming in and rescuing people and and solving a mystery together with, you know, usually like a damsel in distress, but sometimes, you know, it's the other way around and it's a woman saving a man or whatever. But yeah, um, you know, there's all sorts of different subgenres of of the mystery.
1: When when you type in subgenres of mystery, the first article lists 12. But then when I looked at other articles, there were other ones that were not listed in those 12. So yeah,
0: because well, yeah, more have like been invented over time, you know, it's like, like, I remember around the time that the X-Files came out in the 90s, all of a sudden, a bunch of these mysteries came out that were like, took place in, in the American Southwest and involved things like indigenous folk tales and aliens mm-hmm. and things like that. So, you know, like weird mixing of mystery with sci-fi with, with you know folk tales. And then ultimately it usually ended up being that like a human wasn't was responsible for things. But
1: I, I am typing in cryptid mystery subgenre. Cause I'm curious. Crypto fiction. Ninety books, Goodreads. There you go. So, something to explore. All
0: right. <laughs> so let's move on to uh, to trip hop.
1: Yeah. So I uh, have talked about uh, trip hop in a number of previous episodes, and I was hoping uh, that Lisa would uh, take a little time to explore this kind of. It's kind of a small genre. I mean, it's ex- like all genres; it exploded, but. Really, it it kind of originated with three three bands out of England. And so, um, yeah, I wanted Lisa to explore that. So, you know, what, what did you listen to and what were your thoughts?
0: So I listened to Tricky's Mixed Race, and that came out in 2010. And I listened to Protection by Massive Attack, which came out in 1994. Because when I kind of mentioned them to Nick, Nick was like, you know, the the birth of trip-hop was in the 90s, so I figured I'd get one from from back in the 90s, and then I'd get something a little bit more, a little newer, and see, you know, what the difference was between them. Um, Nick listens to Portishead a lot at home, so I I already was familiar with Portishead. Um, and I did a little bit of, of, you know, reading about trip-hop. Found out that, like he said, it, it originated in England, it originated in, in Bristol, and it uh, is a combination of, like, electronica and hip-hop, um, An R&B and kind of ambient it draws in from a lot of different genres um, and it was interesting listening to all the different artists because like I said I've listened to Portishead at home before but I never really listened to Massive Attack or Tricky I think I'd only heard a couple songs that Nick had played for me from Tricky before and both albums are very different um, Tricky was a lot more experimental and had a lot less of like the the techno element to it um, Massive Attack had more of a techno element to it, um, a little bit more electronic and sound. And I think I actually like the Tricky more. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of electronic music. Um, I like some, I like more like industrial music than than like electronica. But you know, they're they're kind of tied to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then neither of them, neither Massive Attack nor Tricky, had the like. Portishead has a very like ethereal component because the singer has this very like smoky, soft voice. Mm -hmm. Um and they I don't know if they use a theremin or what instrument they use, but they use an instrument. Yeah, they use an instrument that makes a lot of like very spooky, spooky noises. Um and that that's vastly different from these other two. So yeah, it was interesting listening to the different the different albums and getting a sense of what trip hop could encompass because up until recently I basically was just like Portishead is trip hop and that was like the only band that I knew. That was, but yeah, just like you know, with with hip hop or with other genres that I that I listen to regularly, it's like there are so many different interpretations of what hip hop is, or or you know what rock and roll is, or what mm-hmm. punk rock is. I mean, there's just so many little subgenres within the genres, and um, it's interesting to see even within those subgenres how people differ from each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, you know, I I, I found that those those three bands, you know, they all they all came up in the same scene at the same time and they they took the idea of taking like really slow hip hop beats mm-hmm. and layering like very like smooth at at, at sometimes very smooth sounds over mm-hmm. them and um but took them in three different directions. Mm-hmm. And um so they all all were considered trip hop. But at the same time, they all had their own unique thing about them.
0: Yeah, they Um, all sound so different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But the one thing that's interesting about uh, Massive Attack's protection versus that later Tricky record, when you listen to older Tricky, older Tricky and Massive Attack sound more similar because Tricky was involved in Massive Attack in those early years. Where people who are listening, where they might know Massive Attack from, is the opening song to the TV show House, the medical drama House, is a song called Teardrop from Massive Attack. And um, so that is that is probably the intersection where most people will have some sort of connection <laughs> to off because the TV show House.
0: Well, I feel like a lot of people know who Portishead is um, because when I mentioned Portishead, a lot of people have heard of them before, especially if they're around our age Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, they've popped up here and there. And and especially if you're somebody who has, you know, delved into alternative indie rock kind of music. Um, I uh, think it's really interesting how different they are. I feel like, you know, Massive Attack sounds like it could be something that would be in a cyberpunk movie, whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like Portishead would be something that if they're they were in a cyberpunk movie they would be like the cabaret singer um in a smoky, in a smoky room you know yep. so like so I guess say we were watching uh Blade Runner you know it would be like Massive Attack would be what was playing while Harrison Ford's walking around on the street and I feel like said would be play what's playing when he goes into like the bar where all the replicants is that what they were called yeah. I don't remember what they were called where they all were working um, I don't really feel like Tricky would have fit into that, but, I, you know, the album that I listened to was from 2010, so um, I don't know what early Tricky sounded like. The newer Tricky reminded me more of, like, the things that, like, Lupe Fiasco and Kanye West have done, but with less, less hip-hop in them, um, you know, bringing in a lot of sampling, um, a lot of, like, jazzy kind of stuff and mixing it with hip-hop beats, which I yeah. found interesting and I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely mixes things up a lot and mm-hmm. just, just out of curiosity, uh, I typed, typed into, uh, into the Google, what soundtracks that uh, Portis had to have been on mm-hmm. and, uh, tank girl, the craft. Okay. Um, yes. The craft was a, Mar- that was a classic. Yeah, Mars attacks, surprisingly. What? <laughs> yes. Mars attacks. But, uh, yeah, I mean the amount of things that Portishead's music has been in is extensive, including okay. an episode of the handmaid's tale. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, all, all three, um, tricky, massive attack and Portishead, I believe were extensively in, uh, you know, a lot of those like young hip movies, like, uh, you know, the equ- the equivalent of, Oh, the one internet 1990. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Johnny mnemonic,
1: not ju- oh not Johnny mnemonic, though so Johnny mnemonic would would fit as well, but uh uh hackers oh, The Hackers, hackers okay. soundtrack, um okay. which definitely has sneaker pimps, which is another like trip hop band that was like very adjacent to that scene. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah it's it's an interesting genre, and it's it's interesting to see how it's evolved because one of the things that I listen to while I'm writing, mm-hmm. um I stumbled upon there are lo-fi trip-hop mixes on youtube for doing homework and so it's there's no vocals and it's just like smooth trip-hop beats and uh you just like listen to it for two hours straight um so that you can listen to music um without activating parts of your your brain that that interrupt
0: yeah yeah because yeah language oftentimes will interrupt your thoughts but yeah very cool all right, uh, so that is our episode for this week. Uh, oh, Wait,
1: you what? should tell tell people about um what trip hop uh, um stuff is available in the catalog.
0: There's a lot of trip hop stuff available in the catalog. So I got I actually got the 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 tricky and the massive attack. I got them both on CD from the library. I ended up having to request them from other libraries, but there were several tricky CDs. Um, there were several massive attack CDs. Um, I know we have Portishead. Um, I'm sure you know. If you looked up, you could probably find Sneaker Pimps. I don't know I don't know who else the trip-hop bands are. I went yeah. with the top three because you were like, go with the, the OGs and so I was like, all right, yeah. I'll go with the top three.
1: Indeed. You can't miss with, with the classics. And uh, yeah, uh, you can also uh, get from County Cat, the Saint soundtrack, um, which uh, has a bunch of stuff that would fall under that category.
0: Really? Val Kil- yeah. That Val Kilmer movie?
1: Yeah, the Val Kilmer movie, Uh, it's got uh, a couple of uh, sneaker pimps, um, but also a bunch of great mid-90s electronica, um, like the Chemical Brothers, Underworld, Moby, um, uh, Orbital, all stuff that I listened to extensively uh, in the uh, mid-90s, and uh, (laughs) you never know, you might get genre-dived on uh, those in the future.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know I watched that movie a lot when I was in high school because I used to have a crush on Val Kilmer. Um, yep. but I, don't, I don't I don't really remember the music. I just remember Val Kilmer.
1: And maybe the music <laughs> will, will, will bring back those those feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so would you uh, explore more trip hop in the future?
0: Uh, yeah. As, 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 think...
1: as, 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 as a genre, is it something you're like, yeah, I kind of like this. Or is it, eh, yeah, I can take it or leave it.
0: I think it's like, I can take it or leave it. Um, I I enjoyed some of it a lot. It doesn't have the same effect for me that like hip hop does. Hmm. Um, I tend to be somebody who likes music that has more of like a message to it. And a lot of trip hop is at least what I've, what I've listened to so far. Didn't really have a message. It's just kind of like music and, and some samples mixed in and maybe some ethereal singing, but I can't even really tell what she's saying. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, a lot of it doesn't sound, you know, like a lot of it sounds like it's, you know, about romance or things like that, which I don't mind songs like that. But um, but yeah, it's just, I, it's not that I don't like it. I just, it wasn't my favorite.
1: Yeah. Of, of, of the three, it's interesting that you enjoy, you thought the, the Tricky CD was interesting because if you were to listen to early Tricky, it's a mix of songs about romance and relationships and then also songs that have political subtext. Okay. They, even, they even uh tricky even covers uh on their first record uh covers a public enemy song
0: very cool well maybe i have to check out some early tricky yeah. um you know like a lot of things with music it's it's just finding the the right artists for you so yep this is true all right okay well as always thank you for tuning in you can find us on podbean spotify or itunes until next time thanks for listening and be well This text is produced and recorded by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron for the Shore Public Library. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. The song is called Ice Flow and can be found at incompetech.com.